It's good to be with you tonight. It's always good to join our brothers and sisters in Christ and worship together. Uh, I don't know that it's impossible, but it seems like it about impossible to not be uplifted by being together. Uh, it's hard to have a negative experience when you're around loved ones, when you're around fellow Christians worshiping God. It's very uplifting, and I'm hoping that it'll also be edifying. I'm hoping I can bring something that will uh, benefit you and that you'll be able to take it with you this week, and it'll help you in your lives. Earlier today, <clears throat> one of my aunts asked me what I was going to be talking about, and I told her, change. And she made the sarcastic remark, oh, that's something you're pretty good at, huh? And uh, I decided we ought to change the title to make sure she knew exactly what it was, and that's change for the better. And I'll admit it's not some change... It's not something that I've uh, embraced in the past. It's not something that I've necessarily been very good at, which is an excellent reason to study it. <clears throat> Especially change for the better. You know, uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, Paul wrote, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, some things I think we get comfortable uh, where we're at in life sometimes. I think there's a reason that a lot of us may be reluctant to change. Uh, we kind of, we like where we're at. Um, maybe we're a little bit apprehensive of what change might bring or what, what could happen. But one thing is for certain, and that is that we can't change things that are behind us. We can't change things that are in the past. We can only change things moving forward and make things better moving forward. And so that's what kind of what I want to talk about. Kind of what had me thinking about this was I've been praying lately to God, you know, help me learn from my mistakes. Uh, I pray that, you know, pretty regularly, and I just got to thinking about how can I, how can I learn from my mistakes so I don't commit those same mistakes? And, you know, when you look at the answer for that, I've got to do something different. I've got to change something that I'm doing so I don't make the same mistakes or keep making the same mistakes. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10, we read, but, but may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. You know, I think it's pretty obvious from things that we find in Scripture that God uses things in life, trials, mistakes that we make, uses those things to, to help us, to help strengthen us, to help perfect us, establish us, to help settle us. And I think it's important that we look at those things in that way, that we look at mistakes that we make and we look at them as, look at them in the way of how can I not do that again? How can I be better? How can I not continue doing those, those things? 
So I want to talk a little bit about some steps that we can do to change for the better. The first step that we can do is we've got to figure out why we're making these mistakes. Why do we keep committing the same sins that we commit? Why do we uh, not do something different in our life? You know, every person here is, is tempted in a different way. People struggle with different things, uh, depending on who you are. You know, there's, there's maybe a few of you, well, actually there's quite a bit of you that may struggle or have the temptation to get angry or frustrated at a two-year-old. <laughs> Me and Jacqueline have had that temptation this week, I can tell you. A lot of you don't have that temptation a lot of you have a lot different temptation or different struggle than I might. But we all have different, different things that we struggle with. It's important that we recognize that. It's important that you as an individual recognize the struggles and the specific temptations that you struggle with and deal with. You know, the devil definitely does. Satan does. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8, eight through 10 we already read verse 10, but we'll back up a couple of verses. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of, gra but may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. You know, I think it's... It's interesting, he's, you know, he describes it after you've suffered a little while. You know, it's hard, it's kind of, it's not kind of, it's difficult to resist the devil in a lot of ways. You know, he's described as a, as a roaring lion here. A lion doesn't focus on, a prey, on its prey's strengths. You know, it's not going to chase down the, the beefiest and fastest gazelle on the safari. A lion's going to try to find that that prey that's, that's limping or bleeding, find a weakness that's going to make it easier for that lion to, to make the kill. I think it's important that we recognize that, and that's why it's important that we recognize our specific weaknesses, our specific struggles. I'm going to encourage you to make two lists during this lesson. The first one is going to be, I want you to take some time this week and you know, maybe you don't have to write it down, maybe don't make a note on your phone, but at least make a note in your mind of what you struggle with, some weaknesses that you have personally. Because that's where Satan's going to attack you. That's where Satan is going to attempt to derail you in your life. You know, how, how do we overcome these temptations? You know, how do we resolve these so that... that Satan doesn't keep coming at us uh, in these areas. Because, you know, if he finds that weakness, he's going to keep attacking there. If he's successful there, he's going to keep attacking it. And that's why we often tend to make the same mistakes. You know, in the, in the engineering or, or operations world, I deal with this a lot at work. It's called an RCA, or a root cause analysis. You know, any time that there's a, a negative event on a system specifically in power, but it happens across the multiple industries, but if there's a problem or, or something happens, a negative event, a lot of people, maybe not a lot, but a, a team of people will 
do a root cause analysis to determine exactly what that problem was. What caused this event to happen? And the objective of that is to identify that root cause and eliminate it or change it so that it won't keep happening or that it won't happen again. And that's what we need to do in our lives. We need to do a root cause analysis on what it is that's causing us to make the same errors or make the same mistakes that leads to us sinning or leads to us uh, falling. You know, as we do that, one of the things that we might find is that we put ourselves... uh, we put ourselves in situations that makes it very hard for us not to commit that mistake or not to commit that sin. And one of the ways to, uh, to alleviate that sin would be avoiding that situation, removing ourselves from that situation or not putting us in that, position, that same position. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 14 through 15, Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it, do not travel on it, turn away from it, and pass on. You know, if you recognize that you're having a, a problem with a, a certain sin, you know, one of the solutions is to remove yourself from any situation that might lead to you committing that sin or making that mistake. Remove yourself from that situation, stay away from it, flee from it, and anything that might lead to it. A lot of times we commit that mistake or we commit that sin because we put ourselves in that situation. We put ourselves in a situation that makes it hard not to get angry or it makes it hard not to be lazy. Or given to, you know, what other, any other temptation that it might be. You know, more than likely, if we're in that, putting, putting ourselves in that situation we weren't doing as instructed in James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. We weren't submitting to God. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You know, if we commit a mistake, if we commit a sin, we need to take a step back and think about the things that led us into that. Think about the things that led to that point where we made that mistake or committed that sin. And then figure out how we can stay away from them. How can we remove ourselves from that situation or do something different that will not lead us to that same result? You know, a lot of times when you're doing a root cause analysis, you might think you find the answer and then it happens again. You think you might have eliminated, you might have removed yourself from a situation and thinking or hoping that that will solve the problem for you and then you find that find yourself making that same mistake or committing that same sin you know that's the case the the situation was likely not the root cause you know many times we not might not be able to avoid temptation it's going to be really hard for me to avoid my my two-year-old you know I can't get out of that situation. I've got to learn <laughs> to not get frustrated. I've got to learn to, to teach him, to parent him, and to bring him up like I, I know I need to. <clears throat> I can't avoid that situation. I can't get out of that situation. I have to learn to deal with that situation. And I have to practice good temperance. I have to practice self-control. 
You know, if we don't have self-control, if we don't have temperance, we'll never be able to overcome temptation we're tempted with. And hope y'all don't think that I'm just really getting angry at McCoy all the time. I'm, this was on my mind today, so. Um, you know, we read there in the ninth verse uh, of 1 Peter chapter 5, Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Resist him. You know, Mike prayed for this in his prayer this evening. To help, he prayed that we might be able to resist the temptation, resist the devil, practice self-control. In Proverbs uh, chapter 25 and verse 28, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. You know, in other words, he that doesn't have self-control leaves themselves extremely vulnerable to destruction. You know, when we don't have that self-control, we leave ourselves vulnerable to committing that sin or committing that mistake. In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 32, we read, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules the spirit than he who takes the city. It's very important that we practice self-control. And that self-control in regards to the things that you struggle with. We can't let our flesh take part in desires or pleasures or anything that our flesh pushes us to do without us controlling it. In Romans chapter 7, verses 17 through 18, But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. You know, we're not going to figure this out ourselves. We're not going to look inwardly and find solutions to self-control or to, to resisting the devil. We have to go to God's Word to find this instruction and find the solutions. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41, Jesus said, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, you don't wake up in the morning thinking about how you're going to commit a sin or how you might lose self-control or, or do something that you don't want to do. Like, as Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, we have this constant battle in our minds when it, when it comes to temptation, when it comes to resisting Satan. And we've got to be sure that, that we study, that we look into God's Word, and that we pray, as Jesus teaches here, so that we can control ourselves, so we can control the flesh. You know, I'll ask you the question, have you ever stepped aside from a situation and prayed? And after that prayer, did you continue to make that mistake? Probably not. I think it's wise instruction that Jesus gives us. Anytime we find ourselves in a situation, take a step back and pray. You know, if we're learning Scripture, or if we're learning and growing as Christians, as we should, we'll be able to overcome sin that we're faced with. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
Also in Romans, Romans chapter 6, verses 11 through 13. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. You know, it's something that we have to work at. We have to be diligent about praying, making sure our mind is where it needs to be. You know, something else that keeps us from, from changing for the better, other than making the same mistakes or committing the same sins that we make, something else that keeps us from changing for the better is simply being unproductive as a Christian or not being a productive member of the church. You know, I think that in my life and probably a lot of people's life, what this means is cutting down on things that we do that are not productive for God or the church. You know, I know, you know, it may not be the case with everybody, but to me there's, there's lots of things that I do when I think about the time that I spend, the things that I do, uh, that's not really helping the church. You know, it's not necessarily that I'm doing something bad or, or something that uh, is hurting somebody. It's simply not contributing to the church. It's not contributing to my growth as a Christian. Uh, it's not helping anybody. They're just things that I'm doing. You know, there's so many things that, that we can be involved in. Work, hobbies, entertainment. All sorts of things that we can spend our time and thoughts on. Like I said, they're not necessarily bad things, but when they take away from, from our Christian growth and from helping others and serving others, then they do become bad. We need to make sure that we keep our priorities straight and we don't let anything hinder us from our growth as Christians. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 14, Jesus, in a parable that he is speaking, said, Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. You know, we can get so involved with, with our jobs or, or with school or, or whatever it might be that we feel that we're too tired or we don't have enough time to, to do anything for the church or to help anybody else. And this is a position we don't want to find ourselves in. If we do find ourselves in this position, which I have found myself in this position, I'm trying to do too much, and I need to change what I'm doing. I need to figure out uh, a way to eliminate some of the things that I'm doing that aren't helping. You know, one of the, I think it's probably the verse that we hear from the pulpit more than any other verse. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, I think about this and breaking it down a little bit and think of, you know, reasons or, or times that I'm, not productive, not a productive Christian, I would say those are times that I would be ashamed. And thinking of reasons, you know, why that is, and it's because I'm not doing the first two words there. I'm not, I've not been diligent. 
in my thoughts, my time, not been diligent in my efforts to present myself approved to God. You know, it's real easy to be diligent in a lot of areas in my life. Why would it be why is it hard to be diligent when it comes to God's word, studying God's word, being a productive Christian, helping the church, talking to others about Christ? Why is it hard to be diligent about those things? You know, like I said, if, if we're not able to, to study the way we should, if our mind's not in the right spot, if we don't, are not praying enough, we're not helping others as we should, because of the things that we are spending our time on, we've got to cut those things out, whatever we're spending our time on. You know, as soon as those things start to get in the way of, of our Christian growth, we need to be ready to cut those things out and take action. You know, specifically, I think about Netflix, social media. There's a, if you have an iPhone, you can go into your settings and there's actually a, a, a I guess it's a category for screen time. I want to encourage everybody that has an iPhone to go look at your screen time and it'll show you exactly how much time you've spent on certain apps on your phone. And it'll break it down into categories. And you can see how much time you actually waste on your phone. I know there's a lot of good things we can do on the phone, but we don't need to use that as a reason to say we can be, need to be on our phones all the time. You know, thinking about Netflix, you know, have you ever felt productive after you've watched Netflix? Uh, I've watched Netflix just like anybody else probably. It, I think it trains us to be numbed zombies, basically. You never feel good afterward after you watch that. It may not be something necessarily bad, but what did it help you? I'm guessing it probably didn't. And yeah, I need to cut Netflix out <clears throat> or anything else like that. You know, I... Uh, Thing, I, I don't remember who it was. I told sometimes you just kind of feel a, what I would call, say addicted to the scroll. You get on Facebook or Twitter or something and you just keep on scrolling because you want to see what everybody's doing. And how much time do you waste doing that? You can look on your screen time category and it'll tell you exactly how much time you waste doing that. <clears throat> you know, something else that can cause us to be unproductive in the kingdom is simply being lazy. You know, there's no excuse for being lazy when it comes to the work of the kingdom. You know, and I feel pretty guilty about this because I feel like I'm not lazy in almost every other area of my life. Yet when it comes to doing things that I know I need to do for the church, I become lazy. I put those things off and don't do them like I know I should. You know, our passion to do good for the church should be enough to keep us from being lazy. Remembering Christ's sacrifice for us should be enough to keep us from being lazy when it comes to the church. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 9, we read, He who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. You know, being lazy isn't much different than uh, destroying work or hindering work that's already being done or, or trying to be done. 
Ecclesiastes 10, verses 18, verse 18, because of laziness, the building decays, and through idleness of hands, the house leaks. You know, I think, you know, you, you think about a house, or, or you think about anything in this world that we spend so much time trying to take care of. You know, if we don't work, if we don't spend time and effort to keep those things up, whether it's a house, keeping the house built, keeping it from falling down, keeping it clean, uh, a farm, you know, anything uh, in this world is going to get, is going to decay, it's going to get worse and worse if we don't keep it up, if we don't take care of it. And our spiritual lives are no different. We've got to constantly work and constantly study, constantly fill our minds with Christ in order to not be lazy in the kingdom. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward His name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but Im imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You know, I think about this and think about the fact that, you know, you can, you can be the hardest worker in the world. You know, you can be the hardest worker at your job and put all the effort in the world into that. You can have the cleanest house in the world. You can do all these things in this physical life very well, not being lazy in those, and still be lazy in the kingdom of, of God. And we need to make sure that we're not. You know, we talk about not committing the same mistakes or not committing the same sin, and we talk about cutting things out that are not contributing to our growth as a Christian, and, and what do we do in its place? How do, we, how do we fill that gap or fill the void? Matthew, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45, When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest, and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came, and when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked, with this wicked generation. You know, we can't cut these things out of our life and not fill them with Christ. And, and that's the answer. We have to fill those gaps with Christ. <clears throat> you know, there's things that we can do that we read of in Scripture over and over and over that we know we need to do. We simply have to do them. We've got to fill that void with, with the, the work of the Lord, good works, with prayer, studying, helping other people, doing things for other people. You know, we talk about, uh, or everybody knows the, the parable of the talents that, that Jesus spoke. You know, we talked about the, the, different, the three different men were given different amounts. One of them was given five talents, the other two, the other one. The one with five turned, them in, turned it into ten. The one with two turned it into four. The one with one went and buried it and didn't do anything with it. You know, you may think that you don't have a lot of ways that you can help somebody or that you can help the church, but you do. 
we're all so blessed here. And I think a lot of times we take that for granted. You know, we don't realize how blessed we truly are. And we need to, to think about that. You know, it doesn't matter if, if you, and I'm talking about talents as in, you know, skills or any blessing that you have from God. We need to use that to help the church, help grow the church. It doesn't matter if, if it's ten or one. You know, each of us have something that we can contribute. And, and you know what your talent is. You know what your uh, ability is. You know what you can be helpful and useful in God's kingdom with. But it's up to you to use it. So that's the second list that I'd like for you to come up with this week. If you could just take five or ten minutes and sit down, make a list of, of your strengths, of your talents or your skills, things that you're good at and that you could use for the church or to help people. And they're simple things. We'll, we'll read here in a, a moment just how simple they are. But think about the things that you're good at. Think about the, the strengths that you have. And then commit to using those things for the church. In Titus chapter 3 and verse 8, we read, This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. You know, we read that these things are good and profitable to men. When we help others and when we serve others, I think it's very obvious that it's, it's good for them. But it's good for us too. It's good for our, our spirit. It's good for our well-being to help and serve others. You know, I think we'll be, we'll be much happier. We'll feel better. You know, we'll profit from it as well when we're doing good works and helping other people as, a, as opposed to the things we talked about earlier. First uh, Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. You know, like I said, you know, we are so blessed. And Jacqueline and I specifically, you know, we just had crew. He's healthy. We're so blessed with that. We're so blessed from all of you. You know, many of you have uh, brought food, sent cards, uh, given us some gifts. You know, that makes us feel so loved. And we've got to do the same for you. We've got to do the same for you. We've got to do the same for others. You know, showing the love of Christ in, ev in everything that we do. You know, all the blessings that we receive should just flow through us straight to another person. It can't stop, with, stop at us. Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 through 36, Jesus was saying, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. These are, all the, these are some of the simple things that we can do to help others, to help each other help others. You know, the things that are listed here, you know, visiting the sick, helping those or comforting those who have lost loved ones, 
You know, the other things that are listed in these verses, they're things that most people can do. Most people can do to help others. Which of these things are on the list that you come up with? I want you to think about that. When you make your list, think about what you can do with those strengths and then commit to doing them. You know, there's different things that, that each of us can do and we need to make sure that we're using our, our strengths and abilities. We're using the blessings that we have to help others. And we need to not let the sin or laziness or, or being too busy get in the way of that. You know, another way that we, that we fill that gap or fill that void is praying. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16-19 Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. You know, I, when I think about times, or when I think about time that I waste... I'll, I'll, I'll find some time that I have and I'll pull out my phone and just waste the time, basically. What could I do instead of that? Or what could you do instead of that? It's, we have four very simple vo- verses here. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. We could pray instead of that. In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God for, in Christ Jesus for us. Next time, we, next time you have that same time, I want you to think about this and say a prayer. We can't pray too much. We should pray every opportunity that we have. We can pray for strength when we're being tempted like we talked about earlier. We can pray for opportunities to serve others, opportunities to do good works. You know, lately I've been noticing, you know, if you start looking, there's opportunities all around us. So lately I've started praying to help me recognize those opportunities. Because I can tell you, the opportunities surround us. We need to recognize them so that we can seize, seize those moments. We should never hesitate to pray when we need to help or when we need to give thanks. Or when we need help or when we need to give thanks. Ephesians 6, verse 18, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You know, we have to fill our time and fill our efforts with Christ. Praying, studying, helping others, serving others. Talking about Christ. Spreading the gospel. Talking about the gospel to people, to everybody that we know. We have to fill our lives with Christ. You know, when you think about that time again, time that you have that you find yourself uh, essentially going to waste. You may be just sitting there watching TV even, or maybe you don't get on your phone. Maybe you do something else. What could you do instead of that? You could send a kind text. You could call somebody and check on them. You could do simple things that will help and encourage people. <clears throat> you know, I think about probably the, the best example of, of changing for the better, and that's Paul. You know, when we read about Paul, you know, we found out that 
persecuting Christians was wrong. You know, that's hard for us to believe that, you know, he couldn't realize that persecuting Christians were, was wrong. But he was going at it full force, and he found out that that was wrong, rather dramatically found out that that was wrong, and he changed for the better immediately. He dropped it. He quit doing, uh, he quit persecuting Christians, and he filled that void with Christ, with the work of the Lord, and he had a tremendous amount of passion in doing so. So if you think about the time that you spend and the things that, you, that you've uh, been doing and you want to change for the better, drop those things with the same haste that Paul dropped what he was doing and pick up Christ. Pick up what's right in the sight of the Lord and with the same passion that Paul had in his work. In conclusion, I'd like to read what Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16-18. through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That word renewed is the same thing as renovate or change for the better, make it new again. And I want to encourage everybody to make a commitment and try to change for the better this week. Take some practical steps to eliminate things that you shouldn't be doing and implement and insert things that we should be doing. And I think everybody will be benefited. If you're here tonight and you have been taught the gospel, we'd love to help you with that. If you'd like to be baptized, we'd love to assist you with that. And we'd ask you to come to the to the front. Also, if you're here and you feel like you'd like to change for the better, but you've been struggling and you need prayers of the church, we'd be we'd love to pray for you and help you with that. Or if you have any other issue that you love or that you uh, need the prayers of the church for, we'd like to help you with that as well. If you would, please come to the front while we stand and sing.